Okay, for our first message today, it's going to be brought to us by Mr. Art Williams, and it is entitled, Works, Watch, Wait. Thank you, Sean. <clears throat> we have interesting times, not only in our nation, but around the world today, from the virus to civil unrest to six nations looking to recognize Israel. And it brings to mind works, watch, and wait, kind of synopsis of the Christian life. We can see works of men around the world, and we're reminded that we are in the world, but not part of the world. Their methods, their goals, their carnality. The five W's, who, how, what, who, what, where, when, why, and how, uh, and the carnality that's involved with that. And not to place an entirely negative view on it, there are some very sincere people that are dedicated to the various causes, and they're oblivious to perhaps the devious folks have their own self-interest involved. So I want to talk about works, watch, and wait. It's pretty much a review of everything, what man does, why they do it, what our works are to be, why we do it, and then what we watch for and why we wait. In Matthew 23, 5, it says, But all their works they do for to be seen of men, they make their broad, they broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments so they can put themselves on the display, so they can identify themselves as being something, as being different, as being someone. And our cause is different, and our methods are different. We don't do that. Uh, in Ephesians 2.10, it tells us that we are his workmanship, created in Jesus Christ unto good works, which God has ordained that we should walk in them. And his workmanship isn't a single act of creation. It's an ongoing process. As we learn and grow, change, as he whittles us into that being that he wants us to be. In Romans 12, too, we see that he's talking about learning, about causes, motivation, and how to navigate both this life and to do it in a way that is approved by Jesus. In Romans 12, too, he says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's a process. What you are at the time of baptism isn't what you're going to be 50 years later, at least not if, you're, if we are all doing what we should be doing. We should be a different creature. We'll look at things differently. We'll have a different mindset on it. And part of the struggle on that mindset is the mindset that we have isn't of our own creation. Some of it's from our parents, some of it's medical, some of it's in our DNA from, from years before. It is a huge undertaking when you think about it and the problems that people have to deal with. And it goes on to say that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So that's part of the process that you, you prove. You learn, you navigate, and you prove. 
in Ephesians 5, 1 through 20, it says, Be you therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love, the end goal of all of it. And even learning to love is a process. As Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for his sweet-smelling Savior. And then he goes through a list of, of works of the flesh. Um, but fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness that has a lot to do with the motivations of the world. Um, and he goes on to say, Let it not be once named among you as become saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous person, who's an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And we do see deceit going on in the world, in various religions, uh, religions that aren't even religions that are called religions, such as Scientology. I thought that was long since past. I just recently learned, actually this morning, that Scientology is still out there and it's around the world. Um, be you not therefore partakers with them by partakers co-participants. For you were sometimes in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. There it is proving again. As we learn, we prove. And then that establishes us in knowing with a degree of trust and confidence in him. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Of course, it's not so secret today. Much of it is right out in the open. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whosoever does make manifest is light. Wherefore, he saith, Awake from your sleep and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as the wise. And that means we have to evaluate ourselves. Circumspectly means looking in the mirror, looking over our shoulder, looking at the path we have taken, looking, seeing how it measures up with the path that he wants us to take. And redeeming the time, because the days are evil. You know, it's very easy to not want to redeem the time we live in some evil times that can really cause us some anxiety. Wherefore, be you not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And that will is explained to us throughout his, his instruction book for us individually and also for us in prophecy so that we don't become overly anxious and go out there and act prematurely on our own. And that happens when people yet overly enthusiastic about things. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Give thanks always for all things unto God and the, and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a lot that he says in there. It has a lot to do, and we can go, def go through that and define, and if we wanted to, various examples of this throughout the news in any given week. Uh, and you could probably speak for 
eight, I don't know, hours, weeks and days and months on it. But there's, there's a positive side to it for us, and it's described in Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He repeats it. Rejoice. To rejoice, we need to see what Jesus and God the Father is doing, both in our lives personally and in the world. And to also note that some of the things that are going on in the world are going to be called back upon some people at some point, if not during our life, but not even in their life, but the systems and the things that they put in place will be called into question and perhaps dumped back upon them. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known unto God. There was recently a story, maybe some of you saw it. It was on, it was on the television. And this couple... We celebrate many things, even outside of the holy days. And there was this family of two, and they got the good news that they were going to become a family of three. And so, like everyone, uh, they started planning. They put up the baby's room, and they got the toys and the wallpaper and the crib, and they went through all of these things that we plan for when we're going to have an addition to our family. And then the day comes, and the little one is born. And they do some initial testing. And everything isn't exactly quite right. But it's not so bad that, you know, hey, we've got to keep the little baby in the hospital and everything. No, no, that, let's give it a couple weeks, and then we'll bring her back in. We'll do some more testing. And so they let a couple weeks go by, and they bring her back in, and they do some more testing, and things are not looking so well at all. There is something that's definitely wrong, but they're not sure exactly what. So they extend her to stay in the hospital, and after some period of time, they find out her liver is not functioning properly. She has a fatal liver disease, which has no cure, no remedy for it. In the end sequence, the baby will stop eating and will not eat and will simply languish away and die. So needless to say, their hearts were dashed. They go home, and they wait for the inevitable. One night, a relative, an uncle, is doing what all of us single uncles do when we're alone at home at night, watching television, playing on the computer, or reading. And he hears a voice, and the voice says, go to so-and-so's house, put your hand on the baby's stomach, and pray that it would be healed. So he goes over to the house. He says he needs to see the baby for a minute or two. Doesn't say why. He goes in there and he prays. He comes back out. Doesn't say what he did. And at that point in time, I don't remember um, if he left or he stayed there and waited. But about an hour later, the baby starts to cry. The parents didn't know what to do about it. You know, here, here the baby is supposed to be dying, and now it's crying. Well, does that mean it's going to die soon or what? So not knowing what else to do, the mother gets a bottle out and gives the baby a bottle. baby consumes the entire bottle. Gives her a second bottle. The baby consumes the second bottle. Wait a minute. The baby 
supposed to be dying and less simple. The last sim symptom of that is it won't eat, and she hadn't been eating. Next day, they called the doctor and go to the doctor. There is no longer a liver problem. The baby is in perfect health. Today, she's a 21-year-old young lady. Yeah, I wonder what purpose God may have for her. But he said, that's a wonderful thing. Let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, come back to your computer. Think on these things, those things which you have both learned and received and heard. And seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. It's interesting because Paul, in, his, in verse 9, he talks about learning, learn, mental function. And then he says, how? By reading, hearing, and seeing. And so that has to do with works. We can read about works. We can hear about works. We can see works. Works of the world and our own works. And we can evaluate where we stand. And the next aspect of the synopsis is watching. Because we know at some point in time, Jesus is going to return and claim his kingdom on this earth. And so we, we are instructed to watch. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, I'm not sure if I'll read all of this. I have down here 1 through 15. We'll see um, how this goes. But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. And certainly we, we, we know certain things that have to happen at the end time. The sacrifices have to happen. The two witnesses have to happen. And if we don't see some of those things happen, um, we know that we're approximately where we're at right now. And so it's, we're not in a, in a cave with no light and, no, and everything is a mystery. Verse 2, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night, and when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that the day should overcome you as a thief. And that's because, like I mentioned earlier, the events that we are aware of that must take place, uh, many of them described back in Revelation, some of them in the Old Testament, back in Daniel, various places. You are all the children of light and the children of the day and not of the night and not of darkness. Therefore, let's not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. If they slept, slept, for they that slept, slept in the night, and they that be drunk are drunken in the night. Let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. A greater uh, explanation of that is back in Ephesians. Paul goes through uh, the armor of God. Uh, faith and love for a helmet and the hope of salvation. 
For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to, appoint, to, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. That whether we wake or sleep, that is, whether we go to our grave or whether we're alive when he returns, we should live together with him. He says, wherefore comfort yourselves and edify one another, even as you also do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. And therein is a real big challenge today because Sometimes you try to do those things where you try to support the feeble-minded or support the weak. And uh, actually all they want is to be on easy street and they'll take everything you have to give and some more besides. So we have to be even careful at doing that. And see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but follow that which is good, both among yourself and to all men. I have an article here that I found to be very interesting and kind of informative. Um, it kind of specifies the situation that may be going on in our country and some other countries, in particular capitalistic type countries. Uh, the, uh, the article is in an interview by a billionaire. His name's Ray Dalio, D-A-L-I-O. And it's on capitalism. And Mr. Dalio, he he is uh, he, he's the person that owns and manages the largest hedge fund in the world. He started it years ago and been very successful at it. And he predicts life in the United States could become more difficult with the mountain, mountainous debt that stunts in the future our economic growth and with fewer opportunities for ordinary citizens. He goes on to say that capitalism and capitalists are good at increasing and producing productivity to increase the size of the economic pie. But capitalists don't divide the economic pie very well. And so today, the capitalist system, the foundation of the US economy, is not working efficiently or effectively enough for all people. Capitalism produces large wealth gaps that produce opportunity gaps, and these threaten the system. Unless the U.S. takes steps to make systematic repairs designed to provide greater opportunities for American, Americans to achieve personal growth and financial security, the consequences likely will be painful for the country. We have a money and credit problem. We have a wealth and value gap problem, and we have the competition of an emerging giant in China. And the wealth gap has increased, and it is contributing to our political and social polarization. The US is in the late stages of a debt cycle and money cycle in which we are producing a lot of debt and printing a lot of money the U.S. is a 75-year-old empire and is exhibiting the signs of decline. 
two examples that he goes through that I won't bother to go through is the Dutch Empire and the British Empire. And it's, it's interesting because you can look at how that unfolded through their downfall, especially in the value of the currencies. He goes on to say, I just want to present understanding and facts. To know and understand the life cycle and to know these symptoms that are emerging is what I'm trying to convey. This is Mr. Dalio speaking. The United States is a 75-year-old empire and exhibiting signs of decline. Wealth cannot be created by creating debt and money. The problems must be fixed. He then goes through the opportunity, or the lack of equal opportunity, and how it diminishes, um, and how that integrates into the, uh, the problems that are before various capitalist countries. And in the European area right now, they're having a, a problem because many of the immigrants that they're having come up from Syria and they don't speak the language, the language of any of the countries. How do you integrate someone that doesn't speak your language into your country and get them to be, give them equal opportunities for employment and to share in the wealth when you can't converse with them? So it's becoming a crisis over in Europe, and it's becoming a, a systems problem. And he concludes with the idea that the system needs to be re-engineered, but re-engineered with cooperation, not by becoming well, let's just I'll just quote what he says. When that pain happens at a time when you have a population at each other's throat over money, that's a toxic combination. People can't take a downturn and have less buying power, so necessarily the poor will have to get money from the rich, and the rich are going to want to prevent that. And that creates a really messy situation. When the greatest problem that everybody is fighting is for their cause, and when the cause people are fighting for are more important to them, then the system that binds them together, the system is in jeopardy. That seems to be happening now. Everybody has their cause, and they're almost losing sight of the overall picture. Democracy depends on compromise. The notion of compromise and working together and being able to have a negotiation to get, negotiation to get what the most people want rather than to have one side beat the other side with that, I'll stop reading the article there. But it's very informative, the, the insight that the man has. And he does make one of the statements I'll reference. And he says, the times that are existing right now remind him of the time from 1930 to 1945, a printing of excess amount of money with huge debt and an emerging giant on the world scene. I thought it was an informative article, so I wanted to bring it to you as part of, of watching. Yes, it's not, you know, we, we know, like I said earlier, it's, we're not at the end time, but those are developments of perhaps cracks in the structure of various countries that are, that are following capitalistic type systems, which have always been uh, very popular here in the Western world. And so we wait 
for the time when Christ is going to come back and establish his government here on earth. Romans 8, 18 through 25, Paul says, For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to compare with the glory that shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subject to the same hope in hope. Because the creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Bondage of corruption. It's not only external to us in physical circumstances where it surrounds us, but it's also internal. Internal corruption. As I mentioned earlier, some of it may be inherited. Some of it may be caused emotionally who we are, mentally who we are. Attitudes that have been passed down by father and mother and by generations in society. Some of them may be derived by medical conditions, medical conditions that are the result of other medical conditions that were supposed to have been corrected by some medical process. It's quite, when you put it all together, it's a real mess. It's a real mess. And then you throw in Satan who can manipulate things as an angel of light to make it look as if things are okay and things are working out. We know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. For not only they but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope for what a man sees, why does he yet hope for it? But if we hope for that which we see not, then we do patiently wait for it. The majority of mankind has his hopes in the physical. With solutions through economics, politics, military, and war, Man's system of inadequacy with limited opportunities resulting in haves and have-nots and the have-nots being compromised, comprised rather, of devious alternative motives and they simply cannot work out because of, if for no other reason, the dark side, Satan. Satan can turn even a good-looking system into a depraved system. With belief, faith, trust, and confidence, we look to him and we wait for him to, be, to bring resolution and the conclusion of the works of the dark side. You know, in the Passover season, we start the Holy Day season with Passover. And at Passover, we have food. We take the symbols of the bread and the wine. And it's interesting because near the end of the Holy Day season, we observe, observe atonement, which is a fast day, where we don't take any bread and we don't take any wine. Interesting contrast. And perhaps when we experience this hunger 
and thirst and atonement. We can, we can consider if we hunger and thirst after his righteousness in the same magnitude, in the same dedication, and the same motivation. He says in Matthew 6, 33, But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So our righteousness goes back to our hungering and thirsting because our righteousness comes through Jesus Christ by faith. And in the end, if we follow the instructions the way we should, and I think all of us are making great strides to do that, there's going to be a day coming out there in the future. He's going to return, establish his kingdom, and he's going to say to you what he says in Matthew 25, 21. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter you into the joy of your Lord. 